Today's broadcast is sponsored in part by Eastside Urgent Care. It's a positive alternative to the emergency room. Courteous, effective care from one doctor, Dr. Christopher Olenek. It's across the street from the Indian River Medical Center behind Perkins. Eastside Urgent Care. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone from around the world and here locally in actually quite cold Florida this morning, listening to the show and about asking the right questions and how the right questions can truly change your life. I love all the comments that have been coming my way this last week about the last few shows we've had. So grateful for all of you to give us feedback. And most of all, thank you for the reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Without those reviews, we don't get found. So um, if you love this show, it's all about the questions, and you're learning new questions to ask and you love our guests, please rate and review the show up on iTunes and Stitcher. It so much helps us uh, be found and impact more lives. And today's show, you know, we're talking, I just finished talking about, you know, how much reviews and stuff help a show be found. There's another way that your businesses can be found, and that's through your web presence, through websites, through web development and internet marketing and all of those different things. And I've had a web presence, oh my gosh, I I think since the early 90s when I started my first company. And back then, if you wanted to get a website designed, it was twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars to put it up, unless you could write the code yourself and and do all the web design and, and things like that. The world has changed significantly since then with WordPress and um, Drupal and um, Wix and so many other web design platforms that you can do it yourself. But does it really make sense to do it yourself? Or do you need somebody to help you make sure you get everything set right and then show you how to maintain and optimize your website? And I recently had an issue where I was trying to get something done on the show page. It's all about the questions.com. I just wanted a thing that said, these are the upcoming shows. And I worked with somebody for two hours trying to get this done and they couldn't get it done. And they were supposedly real experts. They knew what they were doing. They're sending me all this stuff that doesn't even remotely look like the very simple thing that I wanted it to be, like a little menu. So I posted in an internet marketing group I'm part of on Facebook, and my guest was the one who immediately said, hey, Laura, you know, unless I'm missing something, this is really quite simple. I'm going to private message you. Here's what you need to do. And he sends me in like a paragraph the exact steps I needed to do on my WordPress site to have what I wanted done. In like six minutes, I had the entire thing done. It looked fantastic. And he said, hey, Laura, there's a little something off with your colors here. Um, If you're agreeable, I'll just, I'll show you how to to do it or I can just log in. And he logged in, fixed it. It was great. It was amazing. And he's helped me since then when I had an issue I'd worked on for two weeks with HostGator. He figured out the problem in probably under 10 minutes, all fixed. That's why he is on the show. He and I are going to be working together to completely revamp all of my websites because he's amazing. So I want to tell you about my my guest, Greg Schuler. He is the founder of Say So Marketing, and this is not his first company, but this is his latest incarnation that he founded in early 2015. But he has been involved in internet marketing for over 15 years. 
He built his first website in 1998, and he started his first Google AdWords campaign in 2002. He has built, managed, or repaired over 1,000 websites and counting, including the three he's about to remember for me. He has primarily specialized in WordPress development and has been referred to, and I would agree with this, the mad scientist of WordPress. So love that. So please welcome the mad scientist of WordPress, Greg Schuler, to the show as we talk about your websites. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's great to be here. And uh, yeah, I love the mad scientist part. That was a <laughs> old nickname I earned back in the day. But um, yeah, that's me. And well, I was glad to help on your sites too. <laughs> I, you know, I think it, it really fits you, the mad scientist, because, you know, I'm a geek, right? I owned a tech company. I used to help people get their web presences up, but I was more a project manager to help them do it. I could code if I needed to. I have a degree in computer science. I learned all sorts of coding. I could spend the time to learn it. But it really is a science, not just an art, but a science, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy just, you know, not only the front end, I like to see what's going on behind the scenes, you know, so it's kind of a, a complete science that needs to work together to make your site perform and get found and all those good things. How did you get involved with wanting to help people with the web? It started out, I guess, when I built my first website. It was just basically, I think, my name, gregschuler.com, which is no longer, I don't think there's anything on it now. But, you know, when the websites first started hitting, you know, 15 years ago, it was just a hobby, like, hey, look, I've got a website. Here's my domain name. And then, you know, through the companies I worked for back, you know, in that time period, I started building websites to gather leads because, I, you know, I saw this Internet thing taking off. And then other people kept asking, like, hey, can you do that for me? Hey, can you help me with that? Hey, how did you do that? I want help with that. And it just sort of led to, wow, there's a pretty good demand for this. So, <laughs> you know, I turned my hobby into a business basically over the years. Well, you know, I I find that that when I coach clients to help them ignite their spark and and find their passion and, you know, I see connections. It's one of the things I do is is I see the different pieces and I help people see their own connections. You saw your connection, which was, wow, I'm really good at this. I have a passion for it and it impacts people's lives, correct? Correct. That's not that common. So I want to congratulate you on that. Thank you. And I guess one of the biggest, when I really started doing it full-time as opposed to, you know, part-time, even though I was making almost a full-time income with it before that, but I was in the mortgage business and, you know, in 2008 when the mortgage real estate business, all of them imploded (laughs) across the world, um, that's when I kind of kicked back and said, you know, this is the time, you know, the bank I was working for shut down and I'm like, you know, I want to just do my passion full-time and no better time than now. (laughs) Okay. You were working for a bank that shut down? Yes, countrywide, one of the largest in the, I guess, in America. So, I mean, it was a mortgage bank, basically. So, you know, when the mortgage industry went under, they went under, I was gone. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do the website and marketing full time. And ever since then, that's all I've been doing. All right. So when your full time revenue stream, even though you saw this extra revenue stream coming in, began to to happen and you saw the writings on the wall, I'm going to be out. What was the question that went through your mind that enabled you to start your own business? Hmm. Um, It was more or less, I mean, I couldn't really get back into the same business. Well, at that time, because things were falling apart. So I just took, 
you know, a few months, six months, basically a year. I said, you know, can I get back into this? You know, what are my options? And I just kind of like cleared the brain and I made a list of pros and cons. And I knew that I was already making some money with websites. So I'm like, you know, it wouldn't be that much more to do this full time and, you know, scale it up. So I just came to that sense that now's the time. So you took six months off or during that time where you were getting quiet with yourself, figuring out what it is you really wanted to be doing, you were still doing the the web stuff as well, but just as sort of not your main business. Correct. It was more of a part-time thing there, just, you know, nothing outrageous. Um, you know, because I had basically I had mortgage websites that were gathering leads, things like that. Um, obviously I didn't need those leads anymore, but you know, they were still profitable to some people. So, you know, it was more of a time to, Hey, let's move on. And like I said, I, there's always people asking me like, Hey, can you help me with this website? Hey, can you help me with that? And, you know, one thing led to another and I just made up my mind, you know, go with your passion basically. So that's what I did. (laughs) All right. So you took some time to figure out what your passion was while still moving forward with what you thought your passion was. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. All right. So anybody who's listening out there, you know, this is a great example of somebody that already had this other business going while they were doing their primary business. And they started building it up, but they weren't certain that it was exactly what they wanted to be doing. So they took the time, but they'd never stopped. And I think that's such an important thing, Greg, that that you did that so many people don't do. They just stop. Instead of taking an action, taking the next step. What's a next step that I can do to just keep moving forward? It might not be exactly where I want to go, but it is a step forward. And right. I want everybody to, to really think about that. So if you're in a spot where you're thinking about, I don't know which way to go, okay, just take a step. You know, when Sean Patrick was on the show last week, I don't know if he had a chance to catch that show, Greg. You know, he talked about sometimes the step forward is a step back to figure out which way to go to the right or the left. And um, you're a perfect example of, of doing that. And because of it, I mean, you are amazing. I mean, I know one of the, your big things that you focus on is you want people to avoid costly mistakes, attract more visitors to your site, and start capturing more leads because what does that do, right? Increase business and income? <laughs> right, exactly. So um, the, the website is the way to get business. So um, what is one – we're about to go into our first commercial break. And when we come back, Greg, I want to talk about some three areas, safety, productivity, and optimization. And everybody, we're going to be telling you what are the top questions you need to be asking yourself and your web designer around safety, productivity, and optimization on your website. We'll be right back with more from Greg Schuler. So we're starting out with safety first, talking about the web with Greg Schuler of Say So Marketing. Now, Greg, here's a question for you. I have sometimes, you know, I Google a lot and I love Google because it's all about the questions, right? (laughs) And I have gotten my list of different websites to go to. And sometimes there is that frightening looking Google warning at just before their, their website link saying this site may have been hacked. What does that mean, and what do we need to do about it? So there's a few different types of hacks that, you know, can happen to a website. Um, That is one. Once Google finds out, uh, they will put that little warning up there. Uh, You know, sometimes if you actually go to the site, you'll get another pop-up that pops up says, warning, you know, this site may be infected, you know, proceed with caution. 
obviously that's not good if you're the business person because, you know, A, what image does that give you? Your customers are thinking, what's going on with this company? Um, you know, and obviously if they don't go there, you're losing business. So most people won't even click that if they see the warning. And once you see that, you know, there are easy, well, I say easy for me, but it's not the easiest of things. But Yeah, thank you for too- clarifying that. Easy for you, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So, you know, you basically have to fix that, remove any of the infection that's on your site, and then you have to submit a little request back to Google saying, hey, please remove that warning. And, you know, it can take days, it can take weeks uh, to remove that. But, you know, once it's gone, you're fine. But if you don't remove that, eventually you may not even show up in that search result at all. So Google gives you a little bit of, you know, notice basically saying, hey, this may be infected, but if you don't fix it, eventually your listing will just go away. All right. Um, Well, how do you even know if your site's been hacked? I mean, there's the obvious one, right, where they replace your page with another page. Right. So there's basically three types of, well, I call them three different types of hacks, for lack of a better word. Um, the one we just talked about, you know, your site's infected. Google knows it's infected. It's an aggressive type of attack where if anyone goes to that website, these hackers are trying to infect, you know, you, your desktop, basically. So Google wants to protect, obviously, their searchers, so they put this warning up. There's the the OMG hack that I call it. It's like, oh, my gosh, because you pull up your website and you don't even see your website. You see like this, like a skull or something weird. <laughs> Some creepy background music playing. It says, we have hacked your site. Um, that one is the most scariest looking, but it's usually one of the quicker ones to fix, easier ones. They're just basically putting up that front page. You know, you basically just delete that one page and change your passwords, and that one's usually good. The aggressive one's a little more intense. Um, and then there's another one that's out there. I call it kind of like the hidden hack and that's where these hackers will take access of your site you won't know about it google won't know about it for the beginning parts of time and they'll make you know 100 1000 10000 pages on the on your site that you don't even see so and they're selling you know adult pills lotions potions um pretty much anything payday loans and if you're not looking for these you know next thing you know there's 3000 pages out there that are bad and not related to your site. And they don't really want to be found because what they're doing is creating links from your site back to the sites they're trying to rank for themselves. So, you know, those are the ones you really need to look for because they will sit there for a long, long time. Customers can see them depending on what they're looking for. And if they see that, hey, why are they selling payday loans when, you know, they're a plumber? It's kind of a mismatch. It could cost you a lot of business. So, all right. Well, how do you, number one, determine whether you've been hacked? And then the second part of that is, what can you do to protect yourself? Sure. So a few ways to tell, like you said, you know, just looking at your site, if you pull up your website, you don't always notice it because the hackers are good and they can say, hey, especially with WordPress, if you're logged in, which most people stay logged in, even if they leave and come back, if you're the owner of the website, you know, it says don't show the links, basically. It's like a little code. So what you can really do is obviously the search warning that you talked about is one way. Um, search, um, you can do something called a site search on Google where you type in S-I-T-E colon your domain name, hit search, and it's going to bring up all the pages that Google has indexed on your site. And you should hopefully see your homepage, your contact page, all that good stuff. But if you see like 8,000 results and 
it's a five-page website, you know something's wrong. You'll see a bunch of like Japanese letters, like in the page titles. You'll see payday loan advertisements. You know, so that's one way you can say, "Oh my gosh, that should not be on my site." Then you can go find out where on the site or your, your files that you need to delete. Um, there's plugins and a few sites that you can go to and just plug in your site, and they will say, "Hey, they're pretty good at searching on the Security. Security.net is a good example. They have a site check where you just plug in your URL." And they usually find some things that you won't see. Obviously, I deal mostly with WordPress sites, so there's a few plugins you can install that will scan your site. WordFence is a good one. And my favorite, if you think you've been affected, is something called Got, G-O-T-M-L-S. And it's basically one of the best scanners that I've seen. It will find infected files not only on your site, but on you know just on your server as well. So between those two, you know, I would run those depending on your site, every two weeks, every 30 days. Some people run them daily, but sometimes that's an overkill. Um, but, you know, just doing those basic things, you can find this. You know, if you get the Google warning or, you know, a customer says, hey, I can't get to your site because it's blocked, it's usually too late. That means Google's found it and your site is going to start losing traffic. Which is a really bad thing and you'll start getting a reputation <laughs> Yes, that people so- would be concerned about. Right, and then the WordFence plugin that I mentioned, not only does that do scanning, it also helps protect. So it's going to help protect, you know, these hackers from accessing your site. You know, there's a few settings inside of it you set up, and, you know, it'll show you every day, like, hey, 8,000 people from Russia just tried to get into your site last night. You're like, great, (laughs) but it does a good job. It blocks them. It sends them on their way. So that one plugin by itself will help protect most people. The other thing is keeping your site up to date. You know, WordPress needs to be updated on a regular basis. All the plugins, you know, they update things sometimes weekly, it seems like. But I've seen, you know, I've gone to some websites and they're still running a version of WordPress from two years ago, plugins from two years ago, you know, and those are easy access points for any hacker. So, you know, you want to make it a point to update the software when it's available, as soon as it's available. All right, so a question somebody needs to ask themselves about their website is, am I doing the things I need to do to protect my website? Do I even know what they are? Good question. That is. So at yeah, a minimum, oh, at a minimum, you want to check your updates, like I said, on a regular basis, make sure your software is up to date, um, run the plugins, run the scans on a regular basis. You know, and it doesn't take a long time. So, I mean, spending 30 minutes a month, you know, is will do a lot, you know. And these plugins are working in the background, too. So even while in between your 30 days of running the extra scans, you know, you're protected for the most part. And if you don't know what the alert is that you get, you can either reach out to the plugin company or somebody like yourself who can help you interpret Correct. it. Correct. What I do is, like, I manage a bunch of sites, you know, for clients, and – I just have all those updates come to me, obviously, because they don't know what to look for most of the time. Um, you know, so if I see any type of infection, any type of, you know, alert, I'm right there to jump in and I'm fixing things, changing things, whatever needs to be done. You know, I update all the software for my clients so that they don't even have to really look at it. And that makes it even easier so they can go about doing what they do. All right. Now, I had reached out to you recently, again, because I got this note from WordFence, And I went, well, I'm on a shared server with HostGator, and 
it's telling me that this that I'm put on a, a blacklist for spam filtering, which is an email thing, and I don't have email on that that particular server, that particular domain, but it was telling me there's an issue, and I reached out to you, and you're like, oh, no, it's just because of the shared server, and here's the steps that you need to take. So right. everybody, um, I really want you to be thinking hard, hard, hard about this. The web is not a safe place unless you do some basic things to protect yourself. Right, and you mentioned being on a shared server. Most of the people that I deal with are they use what they call it as a shared server, where you're paying, you know, five bucks a month, eight dollars a month, whatever. But if you know your website's on there, and you know it could be a thousand or ten thousand, depending on the host that you're using, other people are using that same server block. So even though it's not inside your account, if one of those other sites is infected, starts becoming a spam site, um, you know your IP address could be in trouble. Your you know your your uh, server class is basically starting to get flagged, so that can be a problem as well. And and that's exactly what happened. There was another domain on the shared server that that was flagged. We're going to be right back with more about your websites. We're going to t- start talking about productivity. So, what are some of the things that you need to do to make sure that your functionality for your clients is working, so that you can begin to drive traffic? Ask yourself this question, what are you doing to protect your website? Do you even know your login to your website to check and make sure you're protected? Remember, the right questions can change your life. We'll be right back after the news break. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. The web does not have to be a fearful place, as we just learned from from you, Greg, in the segment just before the news. You, you shared some amazing things about how we can protect our sites and Anybody that listens to the end of the show, we're going to be sharing with you a special web page that Greg set up where he's going to list all of the different tools and things that he talked about with links and explain them more. And that's just a free resource from Greg because he's an awesome person. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, and he wants to support my listeners. And I, I love my guests that support my listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so Glad Greg, we, we talked about safety I believe that safety sort of leads into productivity and functionality, right? You don't want to have something so secure that people can't do what your objective for the website is. Correct. And I see that a lot, kind of like you talked about before, where, you know, you're so close to something, but, you know, just one little adjustment can actually make a huge difference on a website. And, you know, functionality, you've got to make sure that it works and, you know, there's several things you can check on a regular basis just to make sure that you're getting all the functionality that you should from a website. Like you what? Know, certain th- so there are certain things. Uh, the most, the biggest issue that I see on the businesses that I go about or just looking through websites is their contact forms. You know, obviously you want to get a lead. You want people to contact you. Obviously the phone number should be there as well. But sometimes those contact forms don't work. You know, and it could be they were never set up properly, so the email does not go through. Sometimes the email host, like, you know, Yahoo or AOL or whoever you're using, Gmail, for instance, 
they can make little changes to their spam filter. Next thing you know, your emails are not going through. So they were working, you know, six months ago. And now all of a sudden, you know, they stop working and, you know, or they're going to an old employee, like they're going to Susie at the front desk. And now Susie doesn't work there, but you forget to change, you know, where that email goes inside of your website. You're losing out on all these leads that are coming through. And that one I would check on a regular basis just to make sure, you know, log in, send some test emails, make sure that they're going through. All right. Now, is there a particular contact form plugin that you prefer over another? There's a, several good ones out there. I've always used something called Gravity Forms. It works really good with WordPress. Uh, and there's a lot of good settings, spam settings, you know, but sometimes out of the box, that one and a lot of the others won't necessarily work. It depends on your server and how your email is set up. And, you know, there might be an additional plugin where you have to tell WordPress to not use your server, but, you know, maybe your company uses Outlook or, you know, Google Apps for their email system. You have to really tell it to, hey, don't use the server. Use this third-party email, you know, setup. And, you know, just those settings, it's, you know, just a few settings you have to put in there. But sometimes, like I said, those things can change. Maybe you change your password at Google but you forgot to change it on the website settings. Now your email just stops. And passwords so, are something you should change relatively frequently on your websites, not just for yeah, your email? Uh, the, yeah, the website, uh, websites really anywhere for that matter. People should change their passwords, you know, constantly. Um, but yeah, changing that. And if you do it in one place and not the other, you know, like I said, your email could just stop working. And if each email is a lead that can pay you or your company, you know, few thousand dollars, a few hundred dollars, whatever you're selling, that could add up, you know. Okay. Now, what are some areas of a website or, th- or items on a website that you, when you're putting together a website, these are the questions you're asking somebody when you're getting ready to design it. What are the questions you're asking and what are the key parts? So on a website, one thing I want to, you also want to make sure if you already have a website or if you're getting one built is, you know, will my website work on multiple devices? This is huge now. You know, if, with all the smartphones that are out there and more and more every day, it's really over 50% for most of the customers I deal with of mobile traffic versus desktop traffic. So you want to pull up your website. Maybe you look at it on your desktop every day, but you never really look at your phone. You know, but you have an Apple. I have a Google phone. There's Samsungs. There's Motorola's. There's so many different size phones out there. You want to make sure that they look good in all of those formats, you know, tablets, you know, things like that. So that's something I always tell people to do is, you know, you can look at it on your phone, but hey, ask three or four people around the office to pull up our site on your phone and see what it looks like. Because usually there's a wide variety of phones in the office or, you know, ask your friends that, you know, when you're together and just, you know, get a different look. Because there's, you know, if it doesn't show up on one of the formats or maybe a video you have on your site doesn't play on certain phones, that's a big no-no. You can lose a lot of traffic that way. Okay, so will websites will your website work on multiple devices? What else does somebody need to be asking when they're talking to somebody like you to make sure that their website is productive and functional and meets their call to action? As far as like the on the different browsers, you can so just asking will this work on all devices? Um, any you know most developers are going to check this. You know, I have software that can. So from my computer, I can actually check different formats for, you know, different types of phones, 
Okay. What about like what a else? Simulator type thing. What else besides the multiple devices? What are some other questions that you ask them, or they should ask you if they're coming to you to get a website designed? So, if they're coming to me to get a website designed, obviously, you know, is it going to work? Can it capture leads? You know, which obviously can go back to how do you want to capture leads? Some people only want phone calls. Some people only want emails. Or, you know, if you if you have, like, a newsletter, you want to obviously capture email for a newsletter type thing. So you want to make sure that that's going to be, you know, upfront and, you know, prominent so you can direct people right to that, you know, call to action. All right. So there needs to – people should be saying, what, is, what are my goals for this website? Is it Right. To, what is your goal for the website? All yeah. right. And they have some sort of lead capture, whether it's their phone number. That's my biggest pet peeve, everybody, by the way. Have a phone number on your website. There are so many companies that don't. But if you're in a service industry, I don't know, there has to be some way for somebody to communicate with you besides email. Right. One of the most <laughs> Live chat, something. For, things, oh, for the local businesses, Google says that one of the most searched for you know, inquiry is location. So if I'm going to your site and you're a local business – you better have your address, you know, your phone number too, but obviously an address so I know exactly where you're located as one of the first things that I see. All right. What else does somebody need to make sure is on their website to make it optimized and the most productive it can be? So getting into, you know, productivity and then, you know, things that will help you optimize it is you want to check for, you know, I call it broken links. Go through your site. And I say, go click happy, start clicking on every link on your site, make sure it goes to the right place, make sure it doesn't go to a broken page, you know, because you can link to maybe an external resource one day, that page disappears, now people click it, and they're getting this blank page, doesn't look good, Google doesn't like it, you know, so I just tell people, go click happy once a month, just start clicking links at the bottom, click on, you know, links on the side, things like that. And another important thing I tell people to do on a regular basis you know, not every week, but this could be every two or three months, read your content. You know, I see people like they'll put up, you know, pages about their products or their service. A few months later, they change maybe their product or service, or there's a new feature that came out, but they forget to put that on their website. So now they've got outdated information, you know, or if they've added new services, you've got to tell people they're out there. So, you know, read through everything, make sure that, you know, it's correct. It's not copied material from somewhere else that's also very important and you know just keep it up to date oh i I like what you said about make sure it's not taken from somewhere else i once had my photo and information about me used on somebody else's website oh wow they just crawled the web looking for photos and quotes and stuff like that and they used me as an endorsement for them and somebody pointed it out to me. This is when I owned my tech company. We had to go in, and I, I finally found them, and I actually had a lawyer send them a note <laughs> to oh, wow. say, you, you need to cease and desist. But there's other things. People use photos. Okay, let's talk about that. Photos. Yeah. If you want yeah. to put a photo on your website, what do you need to know about that? Where did you get the photo is the most important thing. I see this a lot. I'm starting to see people get sued for this now. Even though I've warned people they could be sued from years ago, people go to like Google image search for whatever they're looking for. Like, oh, here's an image. Oh, it's on Google. It must be free. 
put it on their website and that person that owns that picture, yeah, has the right to sue you for <laughs> using their image, and it's not a pretty thing. Um, you know, I, I do see that a lot, and it's important to know there are places you can get free images. Sometimes you have to link to them, you know, or make, read the fine print. You know, you can use this image if, or this is free to use for commercial and personal use or just personal use. And, you know, there are some places I go to like a place like um, Big Stock Photo, for example, you could buy images for like a dollar and you have the full right to use them however you want, you know, and I'd rather pay a dollar all day long than get a letter saying, hey, you owe us, you know, $10,000 for using our photo. That could also cost the company a lot of money if they're not aware of where these images are coming from. All right. So one of the other things that people need to be looking at is their photos and do they own the copyright on the photo or is it somebody else's? Right, you know, and who put those photos there? Was it, you know, did you have an IT guy that was working on the website and you said, hey, put some photos on there, and do you know where he got those photos? <laughs> or if you're going to a web designer, I've had this, you know, I've, you know, in the past I've ordered, you know, like banners and certain graphic things from a graphic individual. They send them to me. I don't know where they got those, co you know, those images from. Did they have a license, you know, or did they just come up with the images? And I've seen that happen where, you know, you outsource a piece of your website, a graphic, you add that to your website, next thing you know, you get the letter, not that graphic designer. So, you know, always use caution. At the end of the day, you're responsible for all the content on your website. That's what I'm getting you're saying. Correct, yes. You can go blame the web guy but and sue him or her, but at the end of the right. day, you're the one that's name is going to be dragged through the mud. Yes. You know, when it comes to optimization, Google likes to see, especially with local businesses, they like to see real, fresh images. So, you know, now with smartphones having cameras built in, it's really easy just to go take a nice picture of something in the office, a product, you know, the front of your building so people can see it when they drive to your office. They know what they're looking for, as opposed to just pulling off a stock image, you know, from another site. You know, Google likes that. The customers are going to like it because it's real. You know, if you have pictures of people in your office, that gives it that friendly feeling. People are going to feel more welcome to contact you to show up at your office, things like that. So. All right. So you use the word welcoming, and we're getting ready to go into a commercial break. Uh, what I'm hearing you say is your website needs to be welcoming. It needs to draw people in. Yes. All right. Tell me one thing somebody can do beyond putting a picture of their business, because maybe it's not a local business. It's somebody or like myself. I don't have a place of business. I, you know, I travel all over the world speaking, and, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of local coaching, and I have masterminds. So what's one thing that makes somebody feel welcome? A picture of your face. <laughs> a okay. Picture, um, and a really good about me story. You know, you go to a lot of about pages, and they're just kind of like, hey, we've been in business for two years. We're good. You know, we sell a lot of stuff. You know, who can You know, right. tell the real story. Okay, tell the real story. We'll be right back after the news break. What is your real story and what do you want your website to say? Answer me on Twitter at the Laura Stewart. We'll be right back. All right, now, the most often, the biggest question that I'm sure you're probably asked, Greg, is why doesn't my site rank at the top of Google? Exactly. I you, do get that a lot. But there's a better um, question that people yes. should be asking, right? What is the that? The better question is when people ask me that, why does, you know, what do I need to do to the rank? I'm like, well, why should Google rank your site at the top of searches? And 
answering that will help you determine, oh, you'll start to see the light, hopefully. And when I say that, why should they rank you? Because, you know, obviously you have competitors. There's probably more than 10 competitors in your area. You know, they're all doing the same thing. They all have a website. They all want to be on that first page. You know, but what makes yours stand out? Why would users like yours better? And what makes it better than what your competitors already have on the website, on their website? You know, and Google looks at that. They're like, well, there's 18 pages that are pretty close to the same. They do the same thing. You know, they have to determine who's going to be on top, who's not. So, you know, asking that question, it comes down to a lot is, you know, what's on your website? How much content do you have? Not necessarily, hey, we sell everything. You know, tell us all the products. Give us details. Ask the questions what your customers are going to ask. You know, what are your customers searching for? You know, what are they asking when they call you on the phone? You know, what should they be asking you when they call on the phone? Write that all out. Put it on your website, you know, because if one person asks it on the phone, there's probably a thousand people that are searching for that already, you know, as well. Well, are you putting that... Are you putting that in like an FAQ, frequently asked questions question, uh, or should it be woven in? That. Yeah, there's different ways you can structure that. You can, you know, put it in an FAQ type section on your website. You can also build it into a product page, like you know, here's my product, here's what I'm selling, you know, here's the some of the features of it, here's the benefits, and then you know, here's some of the questions we get about this product. You know, you can just build one longer, more intense page. You can also do blog posts. You know, each question can be a full article on itself, you know, and you can use those in different sections of your site, you know, like a quick answer on the product page. But, you know, here's a link to the full story on the blog, you know, just having a lot of content, detailed content of what searchers are really searching for is a huge game changer. But it shouldn't be like what I've seen some people do where they have behind the scenes of their web page because they have, say, a plug-in with keywords. They just put this random words that mean nothing about their site? Correct. It's got to read well for the user. And this is, you know, Google's big on this. You know, a few years ago, you could just fill in the little section that said keywords, and I see people put in, like, a 1,000 keywords <laughs> in that section. Google doesn't look at that section uh, anymore, you know, for, like, five, ten years now. But they will have, you know, a 1,000 words in that keyword section. You go to the page on their site, and there's, like, ten words I'm like, that doesn't make sense, you know. And you don't want your content to read funny where it says, you know, welcome to real estate Las Vegas, just because you want to rank for real estate Las Vegas. You know, that doesn't read well. So you just want to talk naturally, you know, include the word real estate somewhere, obviously, if you're selling real estate or, you know, whatever your service is. You know, it's just... It's got to read well because, again, in the old days, you would just stuff a bunch of keywords mid-sentence. And if I was a user looking for that product, I'm like, man, I can't even get through this paragraph. I'm not going to call you for your service or your product. You might have ranked well back in the day using that technique, but your conversion rates would be obviously down. And now that Google's kind of changed their ways, they're starting to read and understand these paragraphs better. And they're like, hey, we don't want this to come up in our search engines. So and be this, careful with that. And this is all called SEO or search engine optimization. It's understanding the algorithm that gets Correct. Google to like you. Yep. That's a big piece of it, yes. And we could speak for about 20 hours minimum on SEO. What's the one other thing besides making sure your content is readable and reflects the things you do? What's one thing that every person doing their website needs to be thinking about around that? If you think about the user, the end user, Google will love you. 
you know, so just imagine you're a customer of whatever you're selling or offering and what's in your mindset. If I'm searching for something, provide them the best user experience. You know, when I get to your website, like I mentioned before, make sure I can see your num- your number, your address if you're a local business, and make sure all your links are easy, you know, you can navigate through the website very easy. Don't make me think is a great thing that I use when I build websites. If I'm a customer, I go to your website, don't make me think. I want to say, hey, that's great. I see what you do. I see where you're at. I know how to contact you. You know, if I have to think, man, what do these people do? It's a nice-looking site, but what do you sell? What do you do? You're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So that should be front and center. What's my purpose for this website? What do I want people to do once they get here? Yes. And don't make me think. That's kind of one of my biggest statements. There's actually a book written with that same title. And I used that term before I knew that book was out there, so I was kind of <laughs> like, oh, man. But it's a great concept, and, you know, I love it. Okay, so pretty much are you making it easy for the client to take action and buy yes. something from you? Yep. That is just yep, one of the pieces, but that's one of the most important things. It also makes people feel welcome when they come to your site. You know, it's like bringing someone in your front door, make them feel welcome, let them look around like, oh. You know, I see what's going on here. You know, lots of pictures help as well. And I want to give a shout out. Thank you to at Patricia, the Patricia Knoll, one of my favorite guests for tweeting out a number of things we talked about today on the show. Um, So, um, Greg, we're about to end the show. I want to make sure that I'm looking at Shane through the window. So I almost said Shane, (laughs) my wonderful producer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My wonderful producer, Shane. Okay, so Greg, you have a great gift for everybody that's listening to the podcast or the radio show today. Tell us what it is and how they can get it. We have a minute and a half left. Yeah, so my website is saysomarketing.com, and if you go to saysomarketing.com slash Laura, kept it really easy, saysomarketing.com slash Laura, I've put your email in there, your name, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to – all my notes for this show, I'm going to send out to everyone that puts their email there. And I'm going to, you know, expand on these notes. I'm going to put the links to the some of the places and the plugins that I spoke about. That way, you can, you know, dig deeper into that. If you want me to personally look at any of your websites, you can also just include your website link there and say, "Hey, do an audit. Tell me what you think." I'll be glad to give specific tips about, you know, the individual websites as opposed to in general type comments. And yeah, I'm willing to help as many people as I can. And and that's such a wonderful gift. Everybody, do you understand that Greg has just offered to take a look at your website and he will give you feedback on what you need to do to improve it? No charge because you are a listener of my show. Thank you. Absolutely. So it's saysomarketing.com slash Laura. Yes. And you can find out everything else you want to know about Greg at saysomarketing.com. Thank you for being on the show with us today. Thanks for having me. Oh, it was it was awesome. Great. I'm I'm now even more excited to get working on revamping all of my websites. <laughs> Perfect. I can't wait. All right, so what's your biggest question that you want to ask Greg that came up for you about your website? Tweet out to at the Laura Steward and let me know. Remember the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking today? If you need some help figuring out those questions, reach out to me at Laura at LauraSteward.com and I'm here to help. I have a mastermind starting up soon and we'd love to have you join us. Have a great day, everyone.